Oh, it was not easy. Welcome back. Welcome to the Staff Lounge. We are here today to continue our lifelong learning adventure. Oh, what are we talking about today? Oh my, you've asked. <laughs> today we're on the letter O. Oh, and oh, oh, it's magic. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is going to be a long day. I promise it won't. Uh, we have very few O words, even though we have a lot of funny jokes about O. But we're going to start right now with our top five. Um, yeah, like categories that start with the letter O. Are you ready? I don't right, know. You are. What's your favorite ocean animal? Oh. I know, right? Mammal or not. So it doesn't have to. Okay, you know. I'm going to say the sunfish. Ooh, those are so cool. And I'm, it's not even for me, but it just warms my heart. When Darian was in high school, he did a people to people student ambassador program mm. and he went to Australia and he actually swam with a sunfish. Wow. And they're so huge. It was just, my heart just warmed when he, I mean, he still talks <clears throat> about it to this day. I have a real love for ocean animals. Like when, <clears throat> excuse me, when one of those like planet Earth shows is on and they're yeah. doing like land animals and boys like, oh, that's cool. But where, when they're in the ocean and you see like the coral and just all these beautiful animals, like that's where my heart is at. I don't know yeah. why. That's but, crazy. But um, I really like ocean animals. Um, I would probably say the octopus. I was going to say the octopus. I'm... I just think they're so badass. Like the ones that can change colors. Yeah. And then, I mean, the ink and the way they can squeeze into tiny holes. Yeah, and they're, they're really, pretty smart. They're really smart. Yeah. Man, I just think they're super cool. I love them. I uh, I just got really excited about that's octopus. That's super cool. I know. I'm a big dork. Um, okay. And they lay millions of eggs, I think. Like, yes, a and lot then they of eggs. don't eat or anything while they're taking care of these eggs. And yeah. then they hatch and then the octopus dies. I know. Because she gave her life. For her babies. Yeah, for her babies. Man. They better be grateful. Makes humans look horrible, right? <laughs> okay. Um, what's your favorite, um, like, occupation that isn't teaching? Like, what would you do if you weren't teaching? Uh, apparently, I would become a quilter. <laughs> I have really appreciated the gift of quilting that you have shared with me because we could go back several, several, several um, podcasts to when I said I would love to learn how to quilt and you were like jumping out of your seat excited. Yep. But literally, I'm almost embarrassed to say that. Oh my gosh. Let me, before you okay. say it, Marcy has become a quilting rock star and we sew one or two days a week this summer. We've yeah. gotten together and we sew like all day and we laugh and we watch TV shows. Yeah. And we have a difference in us in that I work on like eight projects at once. So I'll be like, okay, today, uh, everything that needs white thread, I'm sewing on those. And I'm just like getting out different things and I'm sewing. Yeah. But Marcy is like focused. And she works on a quilt, and then she, like, busts it out. So, Marcy, tell us your yeah. embarrassing thing. So, let's see. You were away, and I turned four quilts in to be long-armed um, on a Tuesday. On a Wednesday. Was the it? Next, yeah, the, the next, yeah. The very next day, day. I went in with you to turn some of yours in, and I secretly turned four additional quilts in. I now have not received my quilts back yet, but I have four quilts that I've got ready to turn back in. I just don't know what's wrong with me. How come I am doing yeah. all these toppers? So you have just... finished 12 quilts this summer. Yeah, just this summer. 
Like, I was in Mexico for weeks, too. Like, (laughs) it's completely insane. If you do not understand how quilts are done, finishing that many in a summer (laughs) is completely crazy. And I feel like a slacker. But, but oh no, yours are very much more intricate. Like, you do the cute little foxes and the little penguins and the whatever. I'm like... Or triangles. Triangles. Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah, very different. And I'm making a lot of, like, table toppers and stuff. You know, it's fine. But really, for someone who has learned to quilt in the last, like, 18 months... Yeah, a year and a half or so. You are just doing so good. And, girl, I... I'm loving applique. I what I love is the fact that I can be like, eh, I don't feel like doing the cabin today. I'm gonna do this. Oh, I don't feel like doing that one. I'm gonna and I've got enough fabric. Mm-hmm. I could probably do several quilts without even having to go shopping. That's no fun though. I know. That's um, the bonus of having to do. So backings. you would be a quilter. I would be a quilter. What would you be? Um, you know, I'm struggling with that right now because mm. since I have retired, I'm trying to find. Like, this is going to sound cheesy, but, like, where my spark brings me. I don't know. Like, because it's not really in the field of education at the moment. Um, Probably something to do with sewing. I've even thought about just going to a shop, one of the sewing shops, and working there for minimum wage for a bit. You mean because they beg you to turn an application in every time we go? (laughs) Um, So that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, Okay, the last three are really kind of funky categories. Love it. Oh, was not easy. What's your favorite? Olive. Oh, the Greek olive. The Kalamatas? Uh, oh, the Kalamatas. Oh, my gosh. In fact, I eat enough Kalamata olives that Piccadilly, my cat, when she hears the fridge open and she hears me grab a plastic spoon and she hears that jar lid, she comes running from wherever she's at. She literally loves it, too. So that's so silly. I also like Kalamatas, um, but I really like them if they are um, combined with, like, feta. So I really like that combination. Uh, what's your favorite Oreo? Because as we know, Oreo goes crazy with birthday cake. Oh, the birthday cake ones nice. are to die for. I might actually pull, push an old person over just to get to the last birthday <laughs> cake ones. <laughs> That's how much I love uh, the birthday. That cake. is really funny. Um, so I either like the original double stuff. Mm. Um. Or they sometimes have a peanut butter one, like a peanut butter filled one, but they may not have it anymore. It was one of the special ones. So every year for like the last three years, I've done an alphabet countdown at the end of the year and O is Oreo day. So each student brings in their favorite kind of Oreo and we like put them on a, yeah, we put them on a plate or on the, you know, paper towel and we all taste number one, number two, and the kids rank them, and we do this big math chart. But there's some hazelnut ones. There's thin mint ones. Oh, yeah, like, all Oh, kinds. my goodness. Two summers ago, they had a key lime pie with a graham cracker Oreo, and oh, it was so man. good. Okay. Um, okay, what's your favorite orange thing? I know. Probably so some random. fabric. My cave fabric yeah, you do because I'm not a big orange eater. It's too sticky and drippy. Um, you know, I was going to go fabric too. I have a really cool grunge orange that has like um, kind of a yellow rubbed on it. And, yeah. Um, yeah. That's my favorite. Orange is one of my favorite colors actually, but I don't like many things that are naturally orange. Yeah. Like oranges aren't my favorite food. Um, yeah. You know, I don't like grated orange peel zest yeah, on no, things. Me either. I do love my orange classroom. That You do have an orange classroom. That's true. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the letter O, and we don't really have a ton. 
Oh, no. Oh, no. I'd like us to start with open-ended learning or open-ended questions. Yeah, these have become really big over the last few years. I mean, they've always been around, yeah. right? It's like one of the things that you should do when you're teaching to like raise the level yeah. of what you're doing. But um, so I know... So having an open-ended yeah. question isn't like, true or false, the sky has clouds in it. Right. Right. <laughs> That's not an open-ended... <laughs> they're questions that really provoke thinking. There isn't necessarily a right answer. Um, and it's really... You know, it cannot be answered with one word. Right. Right. Like kids really, or adults, have to think about it and be able to, you know, support whatever they're saying. Yeah. So yeah. can you think of an example? Um, uh, to stick with my category of like the clouds are in the sky, um, I would say something like um, precipitation exists in the desert. And you need to explain to me how there's evidence of that. Sure. Right? Like some kids may go with, well, when it sprinkles, there can be flash flooding because blah, blah, blah. Or, um, you know, cactuses bloom during certain seasons because precipitation, you know. Or like if you're reading a story, it could be something like, um, how do you think the main character feels after this happened and why? You know, right. So they have to be able to give an answer and support it with something from the story. How do yeah. you, how does this book relate to yeah. any, something in your life? Yeah. Making text to text connections or text to self or whatever. Right. But it really does require <clears throat> like a higher level of thinking. Yeah. Right. And, and when you're doing, when, when your child is doing these kinds of answers, you really need to be asking like, what is the rubric for this? Because it's critical for the teacher, like you could give an answer and, you know, Jen could give an answer and I may give you an A and I may give her an A minus. Well, why? Like there needs to be some validation and what, why was this not enough to get an Definitely A? Definitely helpful. And I also feel when it comes to these kind of questions, they need to be happening at a younger age. Mm-hmm. I really think that a lot of like the lower grades are really focused on basic comprehension questions like who, what, when, where, why. Yep. And when you don't ask them to support it or say why they feel something, um, they end up getting used to just being able to say um, because the, the red shirt, <laughs> yeah. you know, or, you know, right. they had a fight and there's nothing that they have to support. And so that's teaching is really going that way mm-hmm. and we're expecting kids to be able to support their answers. Absolutely. Yeah. And this has become something that's been really hard in the area of special education because um, sometimes it's hard to get those basic answers, who, what, where, why. But maybe as a teacher, I'm being evaluated on how many open-ended questions my kids are answering and how they're able to support it when really we're not working at that level yet. So that is Yeah, you have nonverbal kids. How yeah. can you assess them on an open-ended question? Right. And and is it appropriate for me to be asking those questions right. when, you know, they... <laughs> I mean, I swear there would be times where I'd be like, why does so-and-so feel this way? And they would just be like, scared. You know, I mean, they're just saying a word. Yeah. And it's like, yes, he's scared. I said that. But why is he scared? And they just... It's just hard. Yeah. And so I, I would really like administrators to remember that... Yeah. You need to be looking at what kind of class and what kind of students and 100%. what should be expected. So the next O, do you, would you like to pick the next one? No, go for it. 
Um, I would like to talk about objectives because I love it. I call, I call education like it's on a pendulum. Everybody talks about the pendulum. Oh, no, yeah. it's not. It's freaking wrecking ball. Totally a This wrecking, wrecking ball. ball will hit on one side and then slowly swing back. <laughs> maybe do some demolition on the other side. Really, it's a wrecking ball, right? And <laughs> I should coin that for But um, at one point, you had to, at the beginning of the day, write your objectives for math. What is your objective for your lesson for writing today? What is your social well, studies objective? And like, not even that. The kids had to be able to tell. Like if the administrator came in and said, what's your objective right now? They, they had to be able to verbalize yeah, they it. they wanted the kids to be able to say it. Well, yeah. I mean, so my question to you, because I was that guy. I had it always up there. And I always was the one like, okay, guys, today could be the day where... You might earn a hard candy if you could tell anybody who came in here what our learning objective was for science. What is our objective? And on point, what is the objective for reading? But it's like, really, what the heck? Yeah, you it know. It didn't help them learn anything. <laughs> I, so, I was really a rebel and I never really did it. But what I do, um, or what I have done in the past is that, like, we're going to do, I'll say, like, okay, guys, today we're on our next lesson in Saxon. We're doing Saxon lesson 25, mm -hmm. and we're going to learn about perimeter, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I make sure that they know what we're going to learn, and then I kind of give a definition yeah. just as part of my rundown. Yeah. And I have had someone come in, and they're like, what are you learning today? You know, just because they're not quizzing, but it's just, like, the natural, like, yeah. oh, what are you doing? And they'll be like, we're learning perimeter, yeah. you know? So I kind of do that just as a way to be like, okay, I want you to know before we start so yep. you have an idea. Well, but I don't write it up there. They can't read it. Well, and here's the thing. I don't understand. Like, from a leadership perspective myself, I don't understand why I would ever require my teachers to do that. Because in the math journal, right up at the top, that's how I start my math lesson. Yeah. Okay, Rennick, today you're going to read us our our objective for today. He would read it. Okay, at the end, go back and explain to us where was this part? And he'd be like, problem one, three, and five, we did X, Y, and Z. And it's like, okay, everybody circle those numbers. If you have a question of, like... I mean, really, the kids just need to know what they're learning. Yeah. I mean, if you do a lesson and you never say, like, like say you're going to teach a lesson on foreshadowing and you never use that word, they're not going to know exactly what they... They're going to... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but they need to know the actual term at some point. Yeah. So you need to let them know. And it's usually in the book. And it's... I feel like, okay, I'm going to be this guy as I sit with my arms crossed. I feel like this is a way for an administrator to walk into the room and be like, oh, this is what's happening. So they would feel like they knew what was going on. This had nothing to no. do with the kids You're learning. Right. No, it had... They, they wanted to be able a to not interrupt A true teacher you, right? is going to be able to say, what was our math about today? And they'll say perimeter or we were working on but, long division. But I also feel like if that principal had looked at the lesson plans that they made you turn in at that point, <laughs> they would know. Duh. Lesson plans was an L word. I know, but you don't know what I mean. Like at one point we were forced yes. to turn in our lesson plans ahead of time that said the objective and yep. said the lesson. So it shouldn't have had to be written up. A hundred percent. Yeah. But we know they didn't look at them. And my other thing with it was like my last 14 years of teaching was all in SPED. 
It was all with students who had reading needs. Yep. They couldn't read what I put on the board. There was no point. <clears throat> you know where objectives are really, really important? On an IEP. Yes. When, now those objectives when, are different. When mm-hmm. I'm, as a gen ed teacher, and before the year starts, and I know I'm a rare breed, but I would look at all my IEPs. I want to know if I'm getting to this lesson, is this child going to be able to take part in what we're doing. And if it's part of his lesson or, I mean, objective, then I'm going to make sure we're talking about it when he's here because he can feel like, oh, dang, I know this or I can follow along with this. But objectives, those are critical. As As a teacher reading an IEP, if it's like he can look at the clock and tell what a digital clock says, like, I mean, a three year old can tell you that's a seven. Right. I mean, some people's objectives are like ridiculous. Well, yeah. I mean, they they are supposed to be written as something that that child has a deficit in. And this is what we're going to work on for the next year. Right. So, I mean, as a sped teacher, I did get some where it was it was just like this. You already said he met that goal. Right. Did you write that objective? You know, so they, you know. Mm. They are supposed to be written as something that that child needs to work. But I want to say, there's a lot of teachers, and I'm going to just say this. There are a lot of very educated people who've had lots of experience who don't want to know what the IEP says. I know. Because if they know what it says, then they are held accountable for whatever it's, right? The whole system is messed up for sure. I mean... But those objectives are the meat of the IEP. Yep. And that is the goal for the next year. And that is what you are supposed to be working on along with everything else. 100%. So um, kids who get special education services are still supposed to get that whole like gen ed cake And then that extra stuff on top, the frosting and the sprinkles and whatever else you need. And those objectives are that part. Like, that's their focus. Yeah. So, I I don't want us to spend very much time, but online learning is one Mm. of our O words. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to predict, and I hope I'm wrong, I'm going to predict that with lots of these school districts across the country who are in a deficit of teachers... I feel like the online component is going to become huge. Well, and with this new um, virulent strain of COVID. Yeah. Because yeah. they're already, I was reading some articles that some schools are already wondering about yeah. starting the year. Yeah. <clears throat> well, not only that, but a friend of mine is one of the online teachers. She's got like 56 or 68 kids assigned to her, but it's all online work. She's not really like sitting down and doing practice long division with kids. She's just proctoring their tests yeah. at the end of the week. Or I whatever. really worry about the way it's going because it seems like the online things that are in place for people to choose mm-hmm. are like that, where it's like totally self directed. Yeah. Here is this thing. You're going to watch it. You're going to answer the questions. I might check within, in with you once a week. Like, that is not teaching. Yeah. And so I believe like real online learning needs to involve real teaching, but I feel that it's not going that way. No. Um, and I don't know how you can do like when my teaching team had online mm-hmm. learning, like legitimately Katrina and I had our close to 60 kids in zoom for four hours a day. Like yeah. we were teaming, we were You know, one of us was teaching the math lesson. The other one was 
private messaging or having a conversation with this group who couldn't answer the question. So by the way, you're going to stay on after class. You're going to join, you know, this yeah, small that's group. That's not what it's looking like. No. no. Um, when I read that article in the daily news about, um, other districts in Alaska and how they're really hurting for teachers, like yeah. 50 teachers in the Bethel school district is huge. Right? Like, if they yeah. need that many. Yeah, I mean, know? I can't tell you how many no. teachers are in the Bethel School And District. so one of the things that that article talked about is that they're talking about maybe going back to online schooling because you can have many more students in a class. Yep. But it's like, but then what is the quality going to look like? What kind of situation is it? Is it an online program or is it like the teacher doing it? I mean, there's so many aspects. Yeah. When COVID hit two years ago and we went into <clears throat> sudden online learning, like that was different than what most districts are doing now. So yeah. I'm not sure. It's three years ago now. Three years ago. Insane. I mean, it's crazy. So let's sum up with one other thing. What's our one other thing we want to talk about? Um, what about objectivity? <laughs> oh, so hard. You to put that in there. What? I put it in there? I didn't put it in there. Um, okay, well, let's just mean? talk about what, I don't know, it was so long ago. Um, so here's the thing. I want us to remember, as teachers, we have to be objective, right? Right. I mean, when you're learning, and this may be kind of a tangent, but it's going to come back. When you're learning about differentiating, you are looking mainly at the book. How is this group, how can I modify this story to meet the learning needs of these five kids? How can I use the same story to meet the needs of these eight kids? And what about this story? Where am I going to push this group of 10 that are above the ability for this book? When you're doing open-ended questions, you have to remain objective in that this kid who's coming in with this six-page write-up with Google Docs, pictures, an Excel spreadsheet, and, you know, as his response, this little girl who's coming in with cut paper pieces from last week's project, mm -hmm. and she's reusing it, you got to give her the same kind of credit. She doesn't have the support, right? Your, your product from your kids, you've got to be intuitive to know where they're coming from, but you also have to be objective mm -hmm. in how you're going to score it. Yeah. It's really hard. Right. I mean, I loved coming down the hall and seeing your kids projects. When I had my life skills class. When you had your yeah. life skills class and because you were teaching lessons, mm -hmm. I mean, you did some things with the art, the directed drawing yeah. stuff that I've never heard of. I'd never heard of it. And, um, you know, being objective too also has to do with working with other teammates who are not coming from the same history of you as that you are. Right. And then also, you know, don't understand maybe the type of kids. As exactly. Well, O has been a challenge for us. Oh, yes, it was. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's time to finish the O. It was good, though. And I'm looking forward to doing um, our next couple letters. I, I am guessing Q is going to be a little difficult. We might we have... have to just have a tangent and talk about quilting. We might. Yeah. So we'll see you <laughs> next week for the letter P. P. We'll be prepared. All right. Bye. See what I did? Bye. Have a good one.